Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. We have a very special episode today. We're going to be talking about forgiveness and mercy. That's right. We're joined with Father Roger Landry from the Missionaries of Mercy and, as of recently, Father Richard Pagano, our own, of the Missionaries of Mercy, which is a big honor, and we're excited to talk about it. So excited. We have a very dear friend and a guest on the show today, Father Roger Landry. Welcome to the show. And we are excited to learn more about the Missionaries of Mercy and how I could, uh, you know, not do a terrible job at this uh, new mission that the Holy Father's entrusted me with. Well, we'll certainly need God's help, Father Rich, to make sure you don't make a total mess out of all that we have been doing before you joined us. But hey, listen, Ron. If we were on Wheel of Fortune, it would be good to buy an R with uh, four of us all baptized with uh, the letter R at the beginning. And so great to be with you, Ryan, Ryan, Father Rich, um, and all the listeners. back i mean this is this is a new topic i think for for me in terms of you know what pope francis has called you guys to ryan you ever seen goodfellas yeah so there's a de niro's character and there's joe pesci's character right and then there's uh um what's the what's the other guy uh ray liotta's character yeah and there are ray liotta and de niro are all really excited because tommy's getting made right yeah i feel like we're the two you know like halfsies and our guy's getting made it's a big honor for us it's a big Uh, day for us you know yeah so yeah we're really excited that's a perfect analogy (laughs) (laughs) he's getting made for mercy that's right he's getting made by the pope now us two we couldn't because you know we're half you know we're half lay people right (laughs) well then we're gonna have to talk to him about you know what family what's what's going on with the family right. could you give us a little background <laughs> so, about yeah. yourself and- so again we have father roger landry on and yeah. um he's shown father rich the ropes of this exciting new yeah. papal announcement for father rich yeah received on april 28th from the holy father bishop estevez announced to the parish at confirmation where we, where we had over 80 kids confirmed in the faith at the end of the liturgy He pulled out the documentation from Rome. It was kind of an emotional experience. Um, And, you know, the affirmation of this call, you know, Father Seraphim Michalenko was the vice postulator of St. Faustina's cause. And we've talked about him. And he recently passed away last year. He passed away last year. And he named me an apostle of mercy like years ago when I was just discerning the priesthood. And then I learned how to celebrate mass from one of the priest's in the apostolic penitentiary, who has done this work of mercy from the Holy Father for, you know, countless, countless years. And um, to now be named a missionary of mercy was just absolutely So this isn't a new um, outfit in the church. This is something that's been going on for a long time. As out of the tribunal of the Holy Father in the apostolic penitentiary. Okay, with previous popes and... Exactly. Okay, wow. Exactly. But I know Father Landry could talk probably way better about it than I could. I could pipe in a little bit there. Um, So there have been what we call penitentiaries at the major churches in Rome, like St. Peter's or St. John Lateran or St. Paul's outside the walls or St. Mary Majors, they're called apostolic penitentiaries who are able to hear confessions with special um, powers given to them by the Holy Father. But missionaries of mercy, like Father Rich became in this April, was only uh, invented by Pope Francis five years ago in 2016. During the Jubilee of Mercy, 
because he wanted the authority that he gives to those penitentiaries and those major important churches in Rome to spread throughout the entire world. And so he gave us a threefold mission. The first is to preach mercy, not just the conversion of sins, but how much God loves us and how happy we make him when we approach him for forgiveness. The second is to become models in what we in the church call the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy, caring for those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, a stranger, ill, or imprisoned, etc. And also those who don't know the faith, those who are mourning the loss of loved ones, etc. Working the spiritual and the corporal works of mercy. And then finally, for us to get into the confessionals and carry out God's merciful love, especially for sinners who wouldn't ordinarily be able to approach the sacrament because they've committed certain sins that are what we call church crimes. And to be forgiven in the sacrament of penance, they first need to be forgiven of that crime that they've committed for like desecrating the Holy Eucharist or physically attacking the Holy Father or breaking the seal of confession and really serious crimes like this. The Pope has given Father Rich and me and about 630 of our brothers across the world a special capacity to be able to forgive the penalty of the crime so that any priest would be able to forgive those sins. And so it's an awesome threefold responsibility that uh, enhances our priesthood. So, so just out of curiosity, these potential or these crimes that have happened or have occurred, um, have they been documented by the church where you guys can go out and find these people and, and administer these faculties by saying, hey, listen, the Pope has given us this faculty and, and we're offering this mercy to you if, you, if you're con- contrite. Um, is that something that's in, in, involved in that? Because it would, uh, it would, I would think like a desecration of the Eucharist or attempting the, the life of the Holy Fire would be something that would be demonstrable in terms of knowing who that person would be. Hmm. Is that something that... In most cases, um, Ryan, it's not known. Okay. So like, for example, if you had a Satan worshiper try to steal the Eucharist from Mass, most people wouldn't know that. And so the person might come to us after a deep conversion later and just try to confess, for example, oh, and once I stole the Holy Eucharist for a satanic worship, if they went to a, a priest in a confessional and they were not a, and, and they were aware that that was an ecclesiastical crime, then a typical priest there wouldn't be able to forgive the sins until the punishment of that crime were t- was taken away. And the typical way a priest needs to do that is they need keeping the seal of confession to ask the sacred penitentiary over in the Vatican for the permission to remit the crime so that they can forgive the sins. Wow. What Father Rich and I have the ability to do is to cut out that whole process and right then and there be able to reconcile the person. And so that's an incredible privilege that we've received. For the rest of my life, I will never stop giving God thanks for making it so easy for people to be reconciled, even of the worst sins. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That's amazing. You know, and in the times that we live where so many have drifted from confession, so many have drifted from the church, and so many have drifted even far from common sense and committing these kinds of ecclesial crimes, um, and how distant the modern digital world can make us feel, you know, putting these shepherds out into the field to go to the to the most you know ardent sinners is it's it's a bold move and something that we really need right now 
and our world lacks forgiveness in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at media, I mean, you you say something wrong and you're canceled. You are uh, you are unforgivable. You are now a pariah. You're a leper. You're out into the field and you're gone forever. You know, and our society has this need to make, I don't know, conquest over people that they can then feel good, like a moral superiority. Self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah, but what we need now is forgiveness and understanding. So this is an important thing that the Holy Father is offering from I think this. the Holy Spirit will work through this, yeah. too. You know, it's it's almost like a, a conversation I had with um, the bishop that stayed with us from South Carolina. He says, as soon as I assigned an exorcist to go out and, and heal this young lady or perform the rite of exorcism, he left, the, the demon left her body or whatever the infestation was left her body. It's almost a very similar thing. We're talking about grave sin, Mm-hmm. And and by the Pope doing this unleashes the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in this in this particular way to where you guys are I, I understand the privilege I believe mm-hmm. now and sending out missionaries that we have faculties Father Landry myself all of the missionaries we have faculties all over the world right. so to reflect on the fact that you know the Holy Father has commissioned missionaries in every nation and now each of us individually mm. have faculties to go across diocesan like I'm a diocesan priest my faculties are exclusive I I, I minister at the right. pleasure of my bishop that's right. Right, but with this, I, I minister at the at the pleasure of the Pope, wow. which is like, I mean, that, it just blows my mind more and more that I think about it. Yeah. I, you know, it was such a it was such a pleasure, Father Landry, to be welcomed by you and and all the fellow missionaries in Indiana, where we we gathered as you know the missionaries of the United States of America, but we're also preparing to visit with the Holy Father in April, um, you know, it was very informative and I felt, you know, and I've mentioned this to these guys too. I felt so renewed in my priesthood getting together with you all. And how long has that been going on? And, and, you know, talk about like the leadership of the missionaries of mercy in the United States of America. And if somebody needs a missionary out there, you know, how, how would they ever be able to find, find one? Thanks, Father Rich. Uh, the leadership here in the United States came about informally. There, there was no appointment from overseas, but what we recognized with typical American entrepreneurialism and our penchant for good organization, that if we're just all in our own diocese with no coordination, we're like a whole bunch of tapers out there in the wind, that we're gonna be so much stronger when we bring the passion that each of us has and the fire that God has ignited within us together into a bonfire of mercy. And so Monsignor George Majoros, who's a priest of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, after the first time we got together in Rome, which was in February 2016, when Pope Francis officially appointed the first missionaries of mercy. He just said, like, can we get together in the alternate years when we're not going to Rome to meet with missionaries from all over the world? And so he started to organize it. He sent out an email to everybody's email address that he had. We started to come together. We formed our first uh, national gathering in Lexington, Kentucky, at the beginning of uh, 2020, before COVID hit. And it was an extraordinary time of fraternity in which we started to say, how's it going? Listen to the creativity of many of our brothers and then said, what do we need to do to fix some of the holes that are out there so that people can find us more easily and put us to work? And so what came out at that first national gathering is we need a website so that anybody 
typing into a Google search engine, Missionary Mercy, I need one, is able to find us closer to them. And so that's when I saw that God gave me the ability to build websites. And so I built a website in which I put a map in there in which people can find the Missionaries of Mercy throughout the USA and Canada. We put up lots of resources there for people who don't really know how to go to confession, might be nervous, can find out how to go, a frequently asked question site, as well as lots of information for our brother priests who might be getting called by God to share in this ministry that despite our unworthiness, God has given us both. And so I just urge everybody listen to us to go to missionariesofmercyusa.org where you'll find all of those resources and find a missionary mercy close to you. Yeah, and I'll make sure I put that link to the website in the notes. So anybody listening or watching, you go click on that. And I think it's important to note here, look, if you're listening or watching, you don't have to have attacked the Pope or desecrated the Eucharist or committed any church ecclesial crime to take advantage of these missionaries of mercy and what they're doing, right? Even if you, maybe if you've been away from the confessional for a long time, maybe you just need a good confessor, right? There's a reason that these priests have been selected because they are exceptional at both the sacrament of reconciliation, but then also having a, a merciful attitude. So look, if you're out there and you're just a regular Catholic and you have your run of the mill, you know, hey, these are the same sins they keep committing, still search out the missionaries of mercy because they are, they're like the church's ninjas of confession, you know? <laughs> this, this is the people you want to reach out to. So, yeah, it's amazing though. Like we're, we're very passionate, uh, the three of us on our show about the mercy of God and how it just contradicts our society. And, and it's, transfor it's transformed our lives personally. It's like, transformed our lives personally and um, just, well, you know, analyzing our church today and how we're all instruments of that mercy. And just, just to think that we could be a part of this with you guys to, you know, share this with others, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's pretty, pretty uh, powerful, you know. So Father Landry, let me ask, when the Holy Father uh, created this, what kind of qualities was he looking for in a priest to then dominate them as a missionary of mercy? What what makes a, a priest, I guess, a good candidate for this? So he's particularly looking for priests who share his attitude toward mercy in general. People who want to go and hunt down those who are in the peripheries, far apart from God, to be able to bring them back, knowing that Jesus, the good shepherd, hunts down the one lost sheep, Amen. and all of heaven rejoices more for that one person's return. So he wanted that type of zeal. Second, he wanted people who were confident enough preaching God's mercy as the extraordinary good that it is. Sometimes people try literally to scare the hell out of people and get them to come back to confession so that they don't die with a mortal sin on their soul and go to hell. Sometimes that can work, actually, to get somebody to the confessional, but often that doesn't help a person relate to God the way God deserves to be related to as the father who loves us more than all the parents combined in human history have most loved their kids and so he wanted us capable of preaching the beauty of God's merciful love that God is rich in mercy and he wants to make us rich with that merciful love and the third thing that he was really looking for is somebody who would do the martyrdom of waiting in the confessional somebody who's not afraid to get calluses on his rear end by sitting waiting for people to come back. Somebody, when that person comes back, would be embraced like God embraces the 
prodigal son in Jesus' famous parable, somebody would rejoice in what God is doing and become an icon of the mercy of the Father. Not every priest, unfortunately, um, prioritizes that in the same way. And so Pope Francis was looking for those with these particular qualities. He put out more or less a want that for us in his initial document for the Jubilee of Mercy saying, this is what I'd like to do. If any priest would be interested, here's how you apply, et cetera. And so many of us did. We needed our bishop's permission. We needed to explain what we were hoping to do. We needed to give them various data. And then they examined it over at the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization in the Vatican. And then they gave us the good news that we were appointed, sent us beautiful decrees, summoned us to Rome. And there, when we were in Rome with two of the greatest confessors of all time, whose bodies were brought to the Vatican, St. Padre Pio, as well as St. Leopoldo Mandic, both of them great Capuchin confessors. We were instituted the day before Ash Wednesday and then sent to preach as every priest on the planet preaches on Ash Wednesday. I appeal to you by the mercies of God, be reconciled to God. Awesome. Yeah, St. Leopold Mandic. I don't think a lot of people know him. But no. he, he, he's a little short yes. cappuccino. He's from Croatia. Yes. Uh, an amazing saint. Look him up. I mean, he is, he is an incredible, merciful figure. Uh, and he's, well, with his height, it's easy for him to be overlooked, right? <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's amazing. Father Landry, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because, you know, you mentioned that you needed your bishop's permission. Why don't you tell us where you're from and what other capacities you're serving in right now besides as a missionary of mercy? So I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts. I was ordained in 1999. I'm a native of Lowell, Massachusetts. I grew up in a good Catholic home. I never ceased to give God thanks for the faith of my mother and my father and my identical twin brother, the handsomest man in the world. And my younger... <laughs> My younger brother, Greg, and my sister, Colleen, who I always give a shout out to because sometimes the sister always gets in the last place. But I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a home that actually practiced mercy with each other. We had to forgive each other a lot because we we're constantly competing with each other. And um, after I was ordained, I served for more or less 16 years in the Diocese of Fall River before 2015, when I was asked by the Apostolic Nuncio, the Papal Ambassador to the United Nations, to come here to New York to help on his team representing the church and the Holy Father in specific before all the nations of the world. Wow. Little did I know when I was reading as a disciple and as a newly ordained priest, Matthew 28 and Jesus' Great Commission to go to all nations proclaiming the gospel to every creature, that I would be able to do it all at the same time before the 193 countries at the United <laughs> Nations. Yeah. It's a great yeah. grace to be here to help represent the Holy Father um, and the priorities of the church vis-a-vis -vis the problems that plague humanity. And that connection between the problems that plague humanity and the salve that the church wants to bring likewise imbues our mission of mercy where we're looking more at a spiritual plane than a physical plane, but we can never forget that the gospel has a social content to it. And that for us to really love our neighbor with mercy, we need to take care of our neighbors when they're hungry, when they're thirsty, when they're being terrorized by their own leaders, when they're victims of human trafficking, you name it. So the corporal and the spiritual works of mercy are very much part of our work here at the United Nations. Wow, very impressive. It's so impressive. You know, Father Landry has been 
a huge inspiration on my journey to the priesthood. And I actually met Father Landry in Rome when I participated uh, in in this great experience called the Rome Experience. Mm-hmm. And we traveled around. It was a cultural experience for guys that were being formed in America. Is that when you were late to meet the Pope? No, that was a different. That's a different story. That's a, that's a different story. All right. But but this was uh, you know back in I think it was like 2008 or something like that. It was like the first year. It was the first year that it, that it was formed, and um, there wasn't many breaks. So the guy that was running, Father Eric, great guy. It was just one thing after another, you know, and, and I didn't, you know, me being charismatic and, and I need to have like, you know, freedom and just like go out. Yeah. I remember we were in Rome, we were, we were studying at Santa Croce, Father Landry was teaching the course and I met him in the hallway early in the morning and I looked at him with like great desperation. <laughs> I'm like, Father Landry, I have got to go away. I need to, I need to leave. I need to go pray. I need, I want to go to the, I want to go to John Paul II's tomb. This is when it was underground, mm-hmm. you know, like in the, in the crypts. And he looked at me, I'll never forget it to the day I die. He was just simply like, go. Uh, <laughs> and I just had this big smile on my face and I, I took bolted. off, man. And I was hours in the crypt next to JP2, just weeping. And you were crying. Reading, I believe it or not. I was Jeez. weeping. And just like, just absorbing the beauty of his ministry and just to be able to spend that quality time with him was massively important for my for my formation and, and now being the pastor of St. John Paul II is just an incredible gift. But yeah. you know, Father Landry and I connected there and I just loved him ever ever since. And then we crossed paths right around Grand Central Station, you know, a number of years back, wow. just randomly. And, uh, you know, and now, you know, being back together again for this summer in Indiana, I mean, my goodness, man, you know, I feel this, I feel this mobilization, Father Landry, of, you know, this team dynamic of being with all of these missionaries from all across the, all across the country. And because of the organization, the energy that, that I really kind of received and seeing how many missionaries are going out to preach at different parishes and doing different things, working on the border, working at the UN. I mean, to be a part of that team is an incredible gift. I hope that I could, I hope that I could participate well, but I'm a, I'm a new buck to this. I'm, I'm, I'm brand new. So Father Landry, please give me some advice uh, as, as a younger brother priest, give me an advice as, as somebody who's just recently commissioned into this mission. And, uh, and, and please, you know, ask the people on the show to pray for me too, because I need their prayerful support as well. This program that you're doing right now is a very important aspect of the mission of mercy, even the very fact that we're talking about it. God will always send us means by which we are called to exercise this great gift that he's given us. We don't really have to look for them. God will send them to us. At the same time, each of us has particular skills, just as we try to use them in our parishes, just as we try to use them in everything we're doing. We try to bring those same gifts that God has given us to his service as missionaries of mercy. And so you'll what, what I've seen in the missionaries in the U.S. is we are so different from each other. But the one thing that really unites us is we're all passionate about sharing the mercy that we ourselves have received, that we're burning to do it in one or many ways, and we complement each other in that way. It goes back to what St. Paul, that great ambassador of mercy himself, described in his first letter to the Corinthians, that we're not all eyes, we're not all hands, we're not all feet, but we're all called organically a work together because 
as Ryan was saying earlier, we in a we are in a time desperate for mercy, and God needs all of us to work together as a team to go out and win that most crucial battle of all time. And it's going to be won, ironically, by his loss on Calvary, which is the greatest triumph of them all. And so out of our own sufferings, out of our own seeming failures and weaknesses, God wants to fill us with himself and make us credible missionaries of his merciful love. And so I'm excited, really, when for, for those old-timers who are there, we were talking when you weren't around about the first timers who were present and the amount of energy you brought on in. It reminded us a little bit of what the book of Revelation talks about when Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, I have one thing against you. You have lost your first love. And so the, the new missionaries of mercy who have been recently appointed, including those in the Diocese of St. Augustine, you have reminded us of our first love, what the passion that brought us there and revivified us for another couple of years as we work lock in, in lockstep in order to bring this great gift to a needy world. You know, funny story. First time I met Father Rich, uh, we were out in Los Angeles. Well, the second time I met him. And, uh, you know, we go out to dinner and we're having drinks and me and the other ride and we're having fun. We're sitting at this really cool historic bar in Los Angeles. And we're like, All right, it's getting a little bit late. We, we should get going. We're like, Where's Father Rich? We're looking around, can't find him. And then we find him. You know, everyone else is having fun. Then we find him talking to some woman who is going through potentially a divorce in a really hard time. You know, and it's just like, even, you know, he was in his, you know, street clothes. And even at that moment, you know, when everyone else is having fun, he's still, his first orientation is towards, you know, like you said earlier, like being like a, a SEAL team, going out and finding these people. So even in the middle of the crowd, on you know Hollywood Boulevard in a crowded bar of he, in Vegas at a slot machine I saw right. Him I mean, he somebody. gravitates towards these people. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's really. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you got the tools for the trade here, kid. Uh, no, it's it's just an amazing call to one to be a priest. And after experiencing firsthand the mercy of God that transformed my life, and I know our conversations, and we've shared we've shared some stories sure. on the show, you know. When we experience mercy, the best thing to do is to extend that mercy to somebody else. Yeah. And I think when we look when we look at this cancel culture that we're looking at right now, and and so many people are you know feeling unforgivable for all sorts of sins, all sorts of reasons, and they're walking around with the shame and the guilt of personal sin, not knowing what to do with it, going to big pharma to, for for their fix. You know, right now more than ever, you know, there's so many things that are intervening in people's lives and pulling them away from a real encounter with mercy. And Jesus Christ is alive, you know, yesterday, today, and forever. And his mercy is with the church and to be a missionary of mercy and to search out the lost sheep is important. And if you're out there right now, listening to the show and, and you're watching on YouTube, first, make sure that you're following, subscribing, clicking thumbs ups and, and, and making sure you're connecting with us on social media. But if you're out there and you're feeling that way and you've been away from the sacrament of reconciliation, now's the time, mm-hmm. you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It, you know, as, as a priest for myself, speaking for myself, but speaking on behalf of my brothers, like we're there to love and support you in the name of Christ and in his person by his authority to forgive sin and to absolve. 
and to lift you from the stain and the burden that's that's weighing you down. So do not hesitate. Do not be afraid. Come back to the sacrament and experience the manifest mercy of God. But when you do, take that mercy and extend it to love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Extend it to this culture, to this world, to people that are most difficult to love. Our world is in urgent need of transformation, and it will only be transformed through mercy. Now, I'm going to give everyone who's listening homework. I want you to go read Matthew 18, uh, 21 to 35. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant, okay? Our world has very much become a mirror of the unforgiving servant, the one who has mercy shown to him but will not show it to others, mm-hmm. right? That's something that you should read and really reflect on. And then, again, we brought it up before, like Dorothy Day said— you only love God as much as you love the person you love the least, right? So having mercy is not just receiving mercy. It's also giving mercy. Mm-hmm. Mercy is a gift that we do not deserve from the blessed Trinity, right? And a gift ceases to be a gift when we don't pass it on. When we keep, when we possess it, it becomes a possession. Uh, it yeah. loses its intrinsic character as a gift. And yeah. then it no longer is what we receive. And that's why our, our Lord and in, in sharing our Lord's prayer says, for, forgive us our sins. Exactly. At, forgive us as we forgive others. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like forgive us our sins, maybe we'll forgive others. It's forgive mm-hmm. us as we're forgiving others. You're a you're a capacity to receive mercy literally depends on the mercy that you show to others. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Francis has a very interesting image there. He uses the image of the human heart. And he says that just like the human heart has systolic and diastolic motions, that's what we get in blood pressure, pumping blood into the heart and pumping blood out of the heart. Mm-hmm. So with mercy, we've got to pump God's mercy in and pump it out. But if we're not pumping it out, our heart is dead and it can no longer receive the mercy of God. That's why Jesus, as you just said, Ryan, in the Our Father said, unless you forgive others their sins, neither will the Heavenly Father forgive you yours. And in that beautiful parable from Matthew 18, Ryan likewise mentioned, Jesus says, for unless you forgive your brothers their sins from their heart, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you yours. That's one of my favorite parables, because when you do the math, and it doesn't always come out in the English translations, it says that the first servant was forgiven a debt of 10,000 talents. A talent was 6,000 days wages, literally 16 and two thirds years worth of work. 10,000 talents mm. is 165,274 years of work. Mm. If wow. somebody were making $100 a day, $12.50 an hour, that would be the equivalent of $6 billion. And that person just said, give me time and I'll pay you back, which is impossible. Wow. But then that person forgiven $6 billion goes on out and somebody owes him 100 days wages by the same figure, $100 a day, 10000 And probably the 10000 was loaned from the $6 billion the person had gotten and said, no, pay back what you owe. Even though he'd been forgiven billions, he couldn't generously share that gift of mercy with others. And that's why Jesus says, when you come to me, I make you rich in mercy. I make you a spiritual billionaire in mercy. And you can spend the whole rest of your life paying it forward. And how joyful that is when we're actually able to play spiritual Santa Claus 365 days a year. There is nothing like it. As priests in the confessional, we're able to do that. But each of us, with the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, in the nitty-gritty, meeting people on the street, meeting people on the internet, meeting people in the supermarket, meeting people in church, you name it, we're able to pay forward 
that incredible richness that we ourselves have received. And that's what allows us as human beings to share in the joy of God the Father. Jesus says, heaven rejoices more over one repentant sinner. And when we, having received that mercy, share that mercy, we enter more deeply into the master's joy. Just as a reminder, we're going to put in the show notes at catholictalkshow.com. We're going to put in the show notes the spiritual and corporal works of mercy so that you could take a look at them and put those into practice. Mm -hmm. And again, avail yourself to the sacrament of reconciliation. You know, Father Landry, we're coming to the end of our time together. We want to express on behalf of the family of the Catholic Talk Show, all of our followers, all of our viewers and listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule and the beautiful work that you're doing to join us on our show. And that inspiration, I mean, that was an incredible explanation of, of the talents. It really is. And you know what? It reminds me that you guys are passing this on from the Apostolic Penitentiary, which stores up the superabundant graces of Christ that are infinite. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, it's almost like your loan officers. You're going out and giving yeah. this money away. <laughs> you know, you've been deputized. Yeah. Here, here's a bag of mercy. Go out and make it rain, right? Yeah. That's what you guys yes. are doing out of that infinite fund. So, I mean, kind of going forward with the economy of forgiveness yes. here, you guys are sharing blank checks with the world. That's what, what a blessing. That's an amazing is. reality. Uh, yeah. That's you know? incredible. So, Father Landry, you have a, a website, catholicpreaching.com, and there you have all sorts of recent talks, articles, homilies, some studies that you've done, and also put together the Missionaries of Mercy USA.org. Check out those on the on the links for the show. And Father Landry, any final words? And and please uh, share with us, you know, your your mission and and uh, what you do day to day, and and how people can get in touch with you. So catholicpreaching.com is the best way to get in touch. I've put up the daily homilies I preach to the Sisters of Life here in New York, a great new 30-year-old religious order that cares for pregnant women and their babies. What I preach to the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa Sisters on Sunday, and the parish work and the work that I do up at the Shrine of the North American Martyrs, where we've got four saints located in Orisville, New York. And everywhere else that I go and I teach, I I try to make it available for free for people because what I have freely received, I freely want to pass on. Mm -hmm. Last word I'd have to say is, as you were telling that beautiful story, Rich, earlier about the time we first met when we were in Rome, the real moral of the story is when you let Father Rich Pagano do exactly what he wants, good things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell us, Bishop. (laughs) When you let him do what he wants, it's usually a nap and we have to wait for him. (laughs) Now, I want to say that, uh, Father Landy, we're, we're incredibly proud, me and Ryan, um, yeah. both of everything that's going on, but that, you know, our, our guy here is, has gotten this honor, you know, it's, yeah. it's a big honor, you know, to know someone who's been, you know, specifically appointed by the Pope to give the mercy of Christ to people. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've known some cool. famous people, some rich people, some influential people, but none of them have ever gotten a gift and honor that I think equals that, right? It's an infinite yeah. gift. And I'm, I'm, we're really proud of you, Richie. Yeah. Good job, man. We're all proud of him too. One, one point just on that is, I work in diplomacy here at the United Nations and people look at the diplomats that come from and flow outward from the UN as great peacemakers, especially in war-torn areas. But on Easter Sunday evening, when Jesus walked through the closed doors of the upper room, he wished his church peace twice. Shalom, he said, peace be with you. And then he capacitated the apostles to be his great peacemakers. 
He said, just as the father sent me, and we know why the father sent Jesus as the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, just as the father sent me, so I send you. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit because they couldn't forgive sins in God's name unless they were doing so together with God. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, those who sins you forgive are forgiven. Those who sins you retain are retained. The only way they'd know which sins to forgive and which sins to retain is if people told them what their sins were. And so right then on Easter Sunday night, the day on which Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he did when he went through that closed door of the upper room was institute the sacrament of confession as his great peacemaking sacrament throughout the world. And so far more important than the Secretary General of the United Nations is that humble priest sitting in a confessional near you. What he is capable of doing is even greater for peace in the world than all the peacemakers sent out with blue helmets combined. Amen. Mm. Man, oh man. I'm inspired, Father Landry. I'm sure everybody uh, listening in and viewing are equally inspired. My brothers and sisters, if, if you've appreciated this show, again, make sure that you like it and share it with your friends. Um, take a moment and, and say a prayer for the missionaries of mercy and your priests in your local parish who are there to minister to you, minister to your needs, especially to minister to you to bring you peace, especially through the sacrament of reconciliation. Like St. Faustina would encourage, pray for your confessor before you enter into the sacrament of reconciliation. And before we go our separate ways, we could not go any further without saying a True, from our heart to yours, uh, appreciation. Appreciation for your support of the show, your support of the Catholic faith, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless. Mm.